It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. Today, I'm joined by Kathy Sallett. CEO of Performance of a Lifetime and author of a really fascinating book titled Performance Breakthrough, A Radical Approach to Success at Work. And in the title, Performance is sort of a double entendre because it has a couple meanings, uh, not only just improving your performance, but using performance tools, if you will, to help you achieve a greater level of success. So, Kathy, welcome to Accelerate. Thank you so much, Andy. I'm really, really glad to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, my pleasure. So, You've got a very interesting background. So uh, take a second, introduce yourself. And, and when you get a second, <laughs> include in that, I want to talk about how you started your own school when you were in sixth grade. I thought that was particularly fascinating. <laughs> sure thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm from New York City and uh, have lived here all my life. And uh, I was, uh, I am uh, a junior high school dropout, as you as you refer to. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, I um, had, had started a new school uh, in junior high or middle school now, uh, as they refer to it. And yes, you I and, I, you and yes. I must be old enough to be junior high, but for everybody exactly. else, it's middle school, right? <laughs> right. And I didn't like the new school that I, I uh, was going to. And I had uh, – so, 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 Andy, this is in the – speaking of how old we are, this is now in the early 70s, right? So America was in a lot of tumult. There were a lot mm-hmm. of – you know, there was a lot of the civil rights movement, the anti-war movement, uh, women's movement, and so on. And so there was a lot going on, and I was very swept up in that um, and very interested in in all the kinds of changes that were taking place. And this was all happening at around the time that I was in school, and my experience in school was that they were sort of outdated and not really connected to all of the questions and all the change that was happening. And I I felt that it was sort of an, from another era. Uh, and I wasn't interested in the subjects. And I thought the teachers were very strict and authoritarian. And uh, it wasn't working for me. And I had an amazing mom uh, who was always supportive, always there to help me sort of navigate the, the challenges. And uh, I was depressed and upset and came home every day, you know, and cried and talked with her. And one day, um, after sort of yet another unfortunate incident in school where actually, um, a young boy, uh, the my teacher wouldn't let him go to the bathroom and I protested and I was sent to the principal's office for yet another time. And (laughs) I, um, came home, talked to my mom and, and this time she said, um, you know, sweetie, I think you should quit school. And uh, I think you should quit school and you should start your own school. And I was 12, uh, which I said to her. <laughs> and she but said, Mom, I'm 12. Mom, I'm 12. And she said, I know, I'm your mother. I know exactly how old you are. <laughs> she said, um, I'll help you. Uh, and she said, she said, she asked me whether or not there were other kids who felt the way that I did. And I said, well, yeah, there are. She said, well, you should get them to drop out too. <laughs> And um, so I did. And we, um, we ended up 
taking over an abandoned dry cleaners in Manhattan uh, and turning it into a schoolhouse. And uh, we designed our own curriculum. We hired teachers. We raised money. Um, the school was actually called the Elizabeth Cleaners Street School, and we came up with that name because that was what the sign said on the abandoned dry cleaning store that we had taken over. And so we saved about $100 on a sign that way. Um, and uh, we it was really quite an experience, Andy, because um, the... the we 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 discovered together <laughs> by working with this sort of ragtag grouping of of students and and community volunteers and 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 innovative educators how to how to build a school and um and that experience of breaking rules and if you will making up new ones had a huge impact on me and i think uh, i think really helped make me who I am today, which is that I have continued to be very passionate about creating alternative forms of education, going outside the box, um, and, uh, and, and, and helping people to create, uh, institutions, conversations, teams, organizations that work for them. Uh, and that often means helping people to grow and to experiment and to do things that might not sort of be the, the typical way to do things, but, um, but actually involve experimentation and asking questions and, um, and performing in new ways. So that's a little bit about the school experience. Um, and fast forward, uh, after many years of being involved in the theater and the performing arts and as a, as a singer, while being in, interested in alternative modes of, of, uh, of education and, and community activism, uh, I, f I co-founded Performance of a Lifetime, now, now it's 20 years ago, as a way to to bring some of the ideas, the concepts, and the the skills that come from theater and from the arts into everyday work life as a way to help leaders and teams to experiment, to grow, and to stretch, and to, to, to break rules and make up new ones in ways that are helpful for their own professional career as well as for the organization. Right. And those, I mean, so we have a largely a sales audience, and... Yeah, there's yep. people who've looked at and people that do they use you know study improv and and uh, other disciplines you know where you come from that in order to help them become better salespeople because gosh a sales call is nothing if not an improv session uh, that's because, right because it's yeah you know, right. it's not it's not terribly scripted at least not on both sides it's not scripted um, but it it's really about using performance to get people outside their comfort zone to yes, really be able yes. to experience what they're capable of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if I try to summarize it. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, we have this idea that we call the becoming principle, which is really what you are, what you're describing Andy, because what we, what performance helps you do is it helps you to 
you know, both be who you are because we're always who we are. We can never stop being who we are. But it also helps you to be who you are not, who you are not yet. Because what do, what do performers do? I mean, what do actors do? You're pretending to play somebody other than you, mm-hmm. right? You're playing mm-hmm. another character. Well, we're all made up of all different kinds of characters <laughs> that we all, you know, we all draw upon depending on what scene we're in in our lives. So we act differently when we're, uh, you know, getting our kids out the door in the morning to to go to school to when we're delivering a eulogy for a loved one to when we're running a meeting to when we're on a sales call. We draw on different parts of ourselves. And so what performing does is it it if we can sort of take some of those ideas and those and those tools that 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 actors use, take it off the stage, bring it into everyday life as a way to access the multiplicity of who we are and to expand it. And so if we think of sales and, um, and, and much of the kinds of conversations that we have in our lives as performances that we, that we are both the performers in, the producers, the writers of, uh, the creators of, then we have many more choices available to us for how to, how to be in the various scenes, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, no, I, I, it's interesting because you, know, you refer in your book to uh, the sort of obscure Soviet <laughs> social scientist that you know talks Vygotsky or whatever his name mm-hmm, was to talk about mm-hmm. you know how people learn and that I thought was really interesting. As you're saying, is you know we really learn about ourselves or learn about uh, expanding our our capabilities and our is not by you know sitting down and reading a book necessarily, but by interacting with others. You know yes. that we actually we have to we have to do it to be able to have this happen and. And you sort of refer that that really becomes a seminal learning experience is this this group activity, this group effect. Yes, yeah. One of the one of the, the terms that he uses is a term called creative imitation. And um, he talks about in in childhood what children what, what what we do is that we you know, we pretend to be mommy, we pretend to be daddy, we pretend to be Superman and so on. We, we play different characters. And in doing that, we actually, that's the way we get to practice and to perform the language and the words that people use. And it's a way we get incorporated into, into the culture. And that's a very social experience. And, and as kids, we get a lot of support to do it, right? I mean, you know, almost everything we do is, you know, kids babble, you know, little babies, they go, you know, (laughs) right? Very very well done. Very well done. Thank you. Thank you. Well, (laughs) I've really worked on that role. Um, But but the big people around this little adorable baby who's babbling say things like, oh, sweetie, uh, sure, let me go get you your bottle. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, the kid didn't actually say that, but you, you perform, you play with the child, and, and that play is actually what makes it possible for the child to learn how to speak, mm-hmm. because we have millions of those kinds of conversations. And so um, that kind of creative imitation that we don't do consciously as children, because, you know, we, we're not thinking about that. We don't even know there is such a thing, right? But, but if you bring that kind of awareness into adulthood and say, well, gee, you know, how does, how does Joanne, you know, she's such a good salesperson. She, she manages, I see her develop these relationships sort of what appears to be instantaneously. She makes a connection with the potential customer and client. What is she doing that I can imitate? And sometimes people feel like, well, you know, I shouldn't imitate other people because then I'm not really being myself. It's not authentic. Um, 
number one, don't worry. You won't stop being yourself if you, you know, if you creatively imitate Joanne. And this notice that I am adding the word create, cre- creatively imitate because mm-hmm. it's not a parroting. It's saying, it's like, what can I use? How, what's her body language? What is she saying? How is she talking with this person? What's that kind of listening that she's doing? You know, she's hearing things that I never even was paying attention to. And so you creatively imitate that and you incorporate that into now your repertoire and you grow as a result. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's, I mean, certainly that applies to sales and spades because, you know, I always talk about sales as really an apprenticeship and, and, how do you how do, it's not about what you're going to learn in a book but it's going out and looking how and observing how other people are doing it that becomes the most profound way to learn yeah i would agree and it seems like that's true in, in most roles in life whether it's you know in business and sales in your personal life you know as a parent is you know these things don't occur to you you know thoughts serve out of out of the blue is is your your patterning after something yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been a lot, of, a lot more books re- you know, written recently about what is creativity and how creativity works. And, you know, jazz is all about building on and riffing with and improvising, you know, with what you hear and what your fellow ensemble performers are creating musically. And, uh, there's this guy named Stephen Nachmanovich who was an improvisational violinist and an author. He wrote this book years ago. I don't know if you've ever heard of it called Free Play. And um, one of the things he says is every conversation is a form of jazz. And so I think if we relate to sales conversations and, again, all conversations as a form of jazz, then what we're doing is we're we're sort of building on what came before. We're creating with it. We're... Um, where it's all, everything is, um, this is a guy named Kirby Ferguson. He says, everything is a remix. <laughs> well, it is, right? It is. And so, and, and that doesn't mean that there is nothing new. It's that everything that is new, that is created, comes from what came before. And um, I think that idea of building with, with what is before you is a wonderful way to be in the world and to interact with others. Yeah, and I think as for individual sales contributors and sales leaders that are listening to this, is it's it's very profound. You think about it is, is yeah, you need to take what you see from somebody else, but then integrate it in an authentic way using your own style, your own way of addressing things, and that's where really the creativity comes from. But it's going to be based on what's what's come before and what other people are doing, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, you know, I talk about with companies. What I work with them and talk to them is, yeah, get get your get your people instead of focused on classroom training is get your people out with peers or other people more and more so they can observe what they do more frequently. Mm-hmm. That that especially the successful people that becomes much more compelling educational experience. Yeah, yeah, and and so I totally agree with that. And maybe what to add to that is. And then have some practice sessions where you get right. to rehearse and you get to play some of those different, you know, roles and these different characters. And, and you try it on and you say, oh, this, this is something I could make use of. Uh, this is something I could try. And so um, that's, that's super valuable. Yeah, well, and, I, want, I want to talk about that specific, about how we can, can implement that, uh, you know, role play and practice and uh-huh. performance-based tools. 
when we come back after a short break. And uh, we'll be back with my guest, Kathy Sallett, talking about performance of a lifetime. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. All right, we're back talking with my guest, Kathy Sallett. Great early conversation about, you know, creative imitation you talked about, about how all of our conversations are like jazz. I love that that metaphor um, as you think about it. It's, it's you know, impro, improving on something that's been done before and building on something that's been done before. So you think about it in a sales context is, is you know, one of the things I always try to caution people about is stop acting on autopilot. You know, stop being robotic that and assuming that every sales situation you can treat the same and ask the same questions because you can't because they're all individual they're all unique they're all different and this this jazz metaphor I love is because yeah you're going to start with the basis of your standard questions you ask but then based on the interplay between you and the prospect you're gonna you're gonna riff on that you're gonna improv on that and it'll go a different direction and then both you and the buyer are gonna learn something new as a result of that yeah. There's a, there's a term in improvisation, you might be familiar with it, Andy, I'm not sure if our listeners are, uh, it's called hearing offers, and I talk about this in Performance Breakthrough, uh, because what, what an improviser is doing is relating, and I'm talking about like when you're on stage, as a, I'm, I'm an improvisational comic, I'm, I'm part of an improv comedy troupe for, uh, called the Proverbial Loons <laughs> here, here in New York City, and I've been improvising for Oh boy, over 25 years. And um, what's at the core of, of what makes improv work is that anything that anybody does or says, you know, you relate to it as an offer. And your job as an improviser is to accept that offer, say yes to it, and to build with it, even if you don't like it. And, uh, you know, because sometimes the word you think the term offers must mean it's a good thing, but, or quote, a good thing. But in improv, everything is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything is a good thing. You know, somebody comes on stage and, and starts, you know, flapping their wings and, and flying around. And, you know, you suddenly realize that they are performing as a vulture and you're the dead body that they are, you know, they're, you're the person that they're, they're about to devour. And you came into the scene thinking, you know, you were going to play a three-year-old. Well, you've got to notice and see and hear the offer of this, quote, vulture flying around. <laughs> Uh, waiting for your uh, for, for for your bones, um, and accept it, even if it wasn't what you expe- expected. And um, and this is important because this is this is where salespeople oftentimes get stuck. Is that yeah you know, they've got this this they may have visualized the way a sales call is going to go based on a you know history of what they've done in the past or even a script that they're working from, and they get hit with something out of left field from the the prospect they're talking to. And they start to stop. Yeah, yeah. I think that, and I think that the posture of an improviser, which I think salespeople can learn from, is I can't wait for the curveball. 
I can't wait to be surprised. Like, I think that the posh, like, I, you know, I, I think I'm a pretty good salesperson. I'm not the best, but part of what I do, which I think has, has really helped me and my team is, is to go into every sales conversation. Like I cannot wait to be thrown something that I have not heard before. I hope for it. I, I hope it. for I it. That. Yeah, because then that makes it, that means that what we're doing is I'm now able to focus more on creating, if you will, an improvisational scene, the, the jazz of every conversation. Um, and for me to have the creative challenge to figure out, oh, this is cool. How can I, how, how can I share what we have to offer in a way that may or may not connect with what this person cares about? You know, and and I love that challenge. Uh, and I think that in general, we could be more open to it in sales situations. Oh, absolutely. That's that. That hopefully is what people are getting from this conversation is that. And I talk about that. You know, people need to listen without judgment to prospects. Yes. And I think that becomes yes. so important when you're talking about hearing offers. Right? Is that Part of the problem that with sales, too often, like I said, it's sort of increasingly scripted in their outreach with initial conversations with prospects. And as a consequence, they're thinking about what's coming next as opposed to really listening, like I said, without judgment, without bias to what the prospect is telling them. And yeah. how are you going to hear those offers uh, if, if you're you know, filtering them out? Yeah, yeah. I, I had a question for you. I know sure. you're the person who's supposed to be asking questions. No, no, we'll turn this into the Kathy Salad show. That's fine. <laughs> so I part of what helps me and what I try to help people do when we're doing sales training, because uh, it is one of the things that we do as well, is is to is, is is to say to people, don't try to make the sale. But don't be focused on making the sale. Be focused on building a relationship and creating a conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and I have found that that direction for my own purposes and also in, when we give this direction for, uh, to other people, that it, it, frees, it frees you up to, to, as you're saying, to listen without judgment and to be, be totally present. Because it's not like you're going to forget what you're there to do. That's not, you're not going to forget about your product or service. You have all of that with you. But you're prioritizing the connection and the building of the relationship as opposed to making the sale. And I, I wonder how you think about that. And if that, that's what I feel like is how makes it possible to hear the offers. But, but I'm interested to hear what you think. Oh, yeah, very much in alignment with that. Um, is that to me an an order is an outcome of a process, and you can't control the the outcome. All you can control is the process. Yes. So yeah, yeah focus on the process. Focus on the relationship. It's all about it's all about the customer. It's not about you. And you know everything that you're doing. You know we when I work with companies and in my writing, you know I turn the sort of sales equation on its head. It's not about selling. It's about helping somebody make a decision. Right, right. Love that. So Love that. that's a service orientation. Mm-hmm, and, that, mm-hmm. that, and if you come from that, that point, then the conversations become much different. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Helping someone make a decision. Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then they're like, oh, my God, this is so helpful. Thank you so much. Oh, exactly. Yeah, because <laughs> then, the, then, then you become part of the differentiation 
versus your competitors. Yeah. You know, if you take that service approach, it's it's because at the end of the day, I'm firmly convinced it's and people <laughs> listen to the show know this or read my books is is especially in today's crowded marketplaces and so on. It's it's really about how you sell that, and you as a salesperson are really the I said the first line of differentiation versus all of your competitors. And so it's really important that you, yeah, be focused on the prospect and help them go through the, their process to make a good decision. Yeah. And to me, that is what you're describing is improvisation. Because anything and everything that anybody says in the scene with you is the, is the perfect thing to have said. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so the other thing that you're doing, this is, I talk about this in the book, one of the five fundamentals of performance is um, uh, is is improvise your mm-hmm. life, right? And and so there, and there are these tenets in in the in that in that chapter. I won't go through them all, but one of them is is make the other person look good, you oh, know. Exactly. And and so so that whatever they're saying, whatever they have said to you, whatever they've done, is exactly the right thing. Is exactly what you wanted to talk about. And so back to your thing about the autopilot. If you're, you're conveying to your potential customer or to your client, oh, that's not what you're supposed to be saying to me. <laughs> I'm supposed to be, I'm on page 35 of my deck presentation and you're asking a question or you're making a comment that is disrupting my flow. Right. <laughs> you know, that's not going to work. But if you, you know, if somebody, if you're in the middle of your, your presentation, your prepared presentation, and somebody starts to yawn or look at, their, look at their watch, you know, the response should be something like, oh, this might be a perfect time for a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let mm-hmm. me find out what you're thinking. Does, is this still working for you? But, you know, so, so the offers that we get are, they come in many different shapes and sizes. Uh, but whatever it is, we have to convey to the people that we're talking with that, this is exactly what's supposed to happen. Well, yeah, and absolutely. So I want to, in the few minutes we have to talk about this, um, I want tell me about some of the exercises or tell the audience about some of the exercises that you you do to help people sort of, uh, you know, learn the improvisational skills and be comfortable with them. Because as you talk about, they're really about taking people outside their comfort zones, you know, breaking sort of with the status quo. Uh, because as, <laughs> you know, for most people, you can say, okay, well, you could stick with the status quo, but really, how's that working for you? Right, right. So, so tell us about some of the exercises that you work with teams and individuals to do that, to help them sort of embrace this, this performance-oriented way of, of uh, improving themselves. Sure thing. Uh, well, one, one exercise that we do is something that is considered sort of the um, – the core of improvisation, it relates to what we were talking about before about hearing offers, is, is, is this phrase, yes, and. And uh, yes, meaning that no matter what anybody says or does, um, again, even if you don't like it, you find a way to say yes to it. Sometimes that means saying yes to the specific thing that they've said. Sometimes it's saying yes to the person. And then the and is what comes next given what you've heard. Our natural tendency is to say yes, but, which is really a version of no. Right. So, what, so one exercise is just literally like spend a week saying yes and, and if you don't literally say it, although it can be helpful when you're first getting started with this, mean it and, and see where it takes you. And one of the things that I think 
makes it hard to do that is that you don't know what's going to happen, <laughs> you know? Uh, you, and so this helps people to become much more comfortable with the uncomfortable, with the ambiguous, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the unknown. And that's a really important sales skill, leadership skill, and life skill to have. So that's one exercise. Another exercise to think about is, um, and I'm thinking about this specifically for sales situations, or, or rather networking situations, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you yeah. know, which can be, you know, sort of the bane of our existences because some people, and I'm, I'm, you know, I consider myself like a very social person, but even I find them difficult. Sure. Uh, so what would it be like to, so you decide on a character that you're going to play as a, as a thing to do. So instead of just like walking into a room and like, oh my God, I have to talk to all these people. I have to make a sale. I have to, you know, I've got to get some contacts, you know, whatever it is, it's, you know, you're, you're going in to do or you, you know. Um, what if you what if you decided that what you were going to do is perform as the generous host, and this is you're not the host, like you're not the official host, but that you're going to play the character of someone who's going to help make other people comfortable mm-hmm. and help them be at ease. And uh, it's amazing how many people will now want to talk to you because you're making them feel good, and you are actually starting to meet some people that you haven't met before. So what is that performance? You know, um, you can, you you can decide what that is, but just that mindset and that, that role, that character can really make a big difference. Another, another performance, another character Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. you could play is to be someone who is very curious and you're just, you want to learn all about what people are doing, what they're into, who they are. And, Again, that gives you a way in. It gives you something to do. I mean, actors, you know, we have funny language. You know, we sometimes it's called, you know, what's my objective in the scene? You know, <laughs> what's my motivation? <laughs> what's my motivation, right? <laughs> and that's the kind of thing. It's like the director, when you're working with a director or you're, you know, you're in a play and you're like, really, what is my character doing in this scene? And so make that decision. Ask yourself that. And and then perform it as however you interpret that. You can't get it wrong because really what I'm trying to help people to do in giving you this direction is, is to access this capacity that we all have to perform in different ways and to break out of our comfort zone. And that means doing things that feel unnatural. So um, that's another thing to do. And then just building on what we were saying before about creative imitation – who do you admire? Who either somebody that you know, someone that you've seen. It could be, you know, somebody that a, a movie actor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the way they talk, the way they carry themselves. Um, I sometimes, when I'm feeling sort of intimidated by a situation, I will channel Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> I mean it. I mean it, Andy. It's totally bizarre. You know, I don't like with, you know, with the locked jaw and everything. <laughs> It's just like there's a certain kind of posture and she's just so she's so secure and confident and you know she's and I I channel her and it helps me. It helps me. So Well I love that one about the curious individual because you know I think from a sales perspective, you know, we really are trying to focus salespeople to think about as a again a, to be focused on the customer the customer, you know, it's all about the customer, not about you. You know, if you're asking questions as opposed to talking, then you're demonstrating interest in them. And yeah, you know, that's that's a great a great role for somebody to to fill. I mean, I had an interview with a gentleman, gosh, quite a while ago, um, where it, 
prominent sales expert, and he was talking about how he practices that, basically that same role. When he goes to social functions, that's the role he assumes, is that he's the curious individual. And he's, he uses the test with himself as to, you know, if he meets somebody new, is, you know, how, how long can he be in the conversation before he has to say something about himself? Oh, oh I love that. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and to add to that, if people feel like you have to actually be curious in order to perform curiosity, uh, you don't. Because here's the amazing thing about performance. Once you start performing in a way that, quote, isn't the way you feel or isn't the way, you know, isn't natural to you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you actually become it. It's like you actually start to feel curious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then back to the hearing offers – if you're curious, then you're going to hear some stuff that you're going to be able to build with that, that, that has to do with what it is that you're selling most likely as well. well yeah, and I think the offers you hear from the, the customer are an opportunity to take the conversation to a depth that you wouldn't normally get to. And so if, yeah. you, can, if you can get that new level of depth established in the relationship and the rapport with the prospect, then you know, other other competitors, other salespeople that are selling to them that then aren't hearing those offers aren't going to get to that level of depth. You have an advantage. You're building the relationship. Totally. totally. When, and we know decision-making is primarily driven by emotions. Uh, you're going to win that emotional battle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Totally. Oh, good. Okay. Well, excellent stuff. We're going to move to a last segment of the show. I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. Um, and so on. One, the first one is is when you're out selling, you, Kathy, is is what's your most powerful sales attribute? What is my? Mo- I think that um, I get people excited about the idea of being both who you are and who you are not yet. I think that this thing of being of of helping that that we help people to become who they are not yet is a very exciting idea, and that we also have the tools i.e. performing, um, as a way to help you do that is extremely appealing to people. Um, so that's like, if, if you will, I, th- I, feel, I mean, that's the product. Right. <laughs> so I think the product is very strong. Uh, I also think that I, because I like talking to people, I think people like talking to me. Yeah, it's interesting how that works, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the next question is, is so who's your sales role model? Who's my sales role model? Um, well, I Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> <laughs> that works. <laughs> Oprah Winfrey. And she's sort of my – part of what I love about her is um, – I mean, everything I've read, and I know people who work directly with her, and so they say, you know, wonderful things about her. But she's such a creative force, and the fact that she uh, – my sense is that she um, is very compassionate about what she believes and what it is that she has to sell. And so I mm-hmm. think that really comes across in terms of her success, and that she also uh, is a creative person herself. I feel very close to that. You know, she, in a sense, she's the, pro- she's a product and then she has all these other products that she is the, you know, right. the driver of. Right. Well, she's also very, obviously very curious. You just look at the things she gets involved very with. Very I mean, curious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's, you can separate that from her success. So, um, besides your own, one book you think every salesperson should read to help them 
achieve their potential. I think Dan Pink's book, To Sell as Human, is a great book. It is. Excellent. I love it. And, and, we're, and I'm in it. So, <laughs> well. that, But that isn't why I love it. I really <laughs> think it's a cool book. It's a really interesting way of thinking about sales. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah, well, clearly a mutual admiration society based on his quote on the cover of your book. <laughs> uh, so um, what music's on your playlist right now? Hamilton. Oh, of course. Have you seen it? Uh, yes, I have, and I'm seeing it again. What, did you get the lottery? Or? <laughs> no, I just, I knew this thing was going to be super hot, and so I got tickets um, in advance. Uh, I got it when it, got tickets first when it was still in preview, um, and then bought them again. So Yeah, I, mean, so I saw it the first week of previews. You did? Yeah, yeah. So, did you love it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, for everybody who's listening who hasn't seen you, know, surely you've heard about Hamilton. You haven't seen it. You haven't had the pleasure of being in New York City. And um, yeah, when you get a chance, it's it is uh, tra- it'll transform your view of of how our country got founded. Because yes. because you look at all the yeah, you know, so it's a you know hip hop inflected view of of uh, you know sort of really the birth of our nation, the the revolution and the revolutionary fathers, founding fathers. And you think about all these movies we've seen with all these old, sort of staid white guys uh, sitting in a room, and you're thinking, then you see Hamilton, and you say, well, God, those old, they couldn't have been the way those stupid movies were because there was no energy in those rooms. Clearly, these guys were starting some. they knew they were starting something that was incredibly revolutionary. The energy had to have been amazing. And Hamilton's really the first thing I've ever seen that Sarah says, reflected what had to have been just, I said, just the life-changing energy that was running through these people as they were going through this amazing revolutionary time. Yeah, yeah. And and what a how much that is in the soul of America and yeah. and um it's just yeah, I totally agree with everything you're saying and it's to me it's also a wonderful example of uh of the breaking rules and making up new ones in terms of how you do theater. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and and, and you know, Lin Manuel Miranda is the ultimate salesperson. I mean, come on, he yes. is like selling the history of America. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, he, by the way, I love his I love his persona both on and off stage. He's he's so he's so accessible and so real, and I think that's 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 added to the experience that the country is having. Um, about this play, about this musical. Yes. Well, I mean, so here we are. We're sales and theater recommendations. And, yeah, for people who are still listening to this, <laughs> when you get a chance, make sure you see Hamilton. Absolutely worth it. Uh, well, Kathy, thanks for being a guest on my show. And tell people how they can find out more about you. Yeah, you can go to uh, performancebreakthrough.com. And uh, you can... Uh, read a little bit about the book. Of course, you can also buy the book on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles and uh, come to our website, performanceofalifetime.com. And uh, yeah, I have a, I have a, uh, a mailing list also that is, uh, I put out a, an infrequent, um, but a very interesting and helpful newsletter that people can sign up for. And of course, follow me on Facebook, Kathy Salet author on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Excellent. So, um, but hey, Andy, thank you so much for having me on your show. I um, such you're a wonderful conversationalist, and uh, I hope this was of interest and help to your listeners. I think I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. If they were listening and hearing offers, absolutely. So, 
Remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is to make this podcast a part of your daily routine, whether you listen on your commute, in the gym, or make it part of your morning sales meeting, because then you'll make sure you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Kathy Sallett, who shared her expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.